0: why Australians should really invest back in the uh, Australian property market. You know,
1: yeah. rent where you want to live and, and buy where you can afford. I think that an expat is the perfect anecdote for that.
0: All right, good morning. Welcome to the first podcast of Wealthy Expat. Uh, I'm Chris Hines. With me today is Dominic Neshi. Um, one of the co-founders of Wealthy. We'll be doing a lot of work with one another, um, helping the Australian expats invest in property back in the Australian real estate market. Um, Dominic, it's a pleasure to have you here today and I look forward to the chat we're going to have.
1: Mate, it's so good to be on this show. Um, Wealthy is now international. You're leading, we're leading it all over there in the UK. So thanks for heading it up. We appreciate you starting the podcast. There's lots and lots of good things for us to talk about
0: it'll be great I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to working with you guys as we uh, continue to grow the team over here as well and uh, yeah big things to come I think very big things to come so look forward to it. I guess um, first and foremost we should get into why Australians should really invest back in the uh, Australian property market opposed to the UK market um, I guess you've still got the not to say the UK property market's a bad place to invest for an Aussie but there's certain implications and tax restraints that we won't go into. Um, but if you could give us a little rundown on what you're seeing in Australia at the moment, um, and a few reasons, I suppose, as to why you believe that investing back in Australia um, is a good thing to be doing at the moment.
1: Well, look, I mean, if, if th- there's there's lots of good options. I think if you're investing, great. That's, let's start there. Um, I think that UK certainly is a good market to invest in. Um, but I think for a lot of Australians, expats, it's hard to, to look past Australia investing back at home. Um, the Australian property market over the past six months has absolutely pumped. And the, the, the growth that we've had has been all internally stimulated. So we haven't had really any outside influences. Unlike the rest of the world, we've been completely isolated, borders have been closed and the, the, the market has run through a couple of main reasons. One, credit is really cheap at the moment. You can go and get a loan for as low as, you know, between two and 3%. Um, you, as an Australian, that's a person that is an Australian buying back home, you don't get hit with any crazy stamp duty concessions and things. You can effectively just go and buy a good quality investment with um, relatively low deposits. And the, the, the market has really kicked off because of owner occupiers. It's just people that love Australia, that, that, that want to get out of um, renting and buy their first home. For the last sort of three to four months, it's been largely owner occupiers that have been pushing the property market the hardest. Um, and only recently have we seen investors step into the market, which has created an internal sort of demand and a friction between the two and, and, and further demand and, and pushing the prices even harder. So CoreLogic just cool. the other day uh, just came out with the rates and basically Sydney performed by about 10%. Canberra performed by sort of I think 15 odd percent. Uh, Brisbane, yep. your your old hometown, grew yeah. by 10%. Uh, Melbourne grew by 5%. It's... It's a lot of monies. You know, if someone had spent $500,000 and bought a, bought a, you know, a nice house or a small unit or something, 10% growth is 50K. So, no small, no, no small yeah, chunk of change.
0: Exactly. You take it. You take it any day of the week. It's interesting what you're saying about the change in these prices. It was in particular, Brisbane, my mum obviously is still up there with the families in Brisbane and... She's, noti- she's renting at the moment. She's noticed a massive shift of people from Sydney and Melbourne moving up to Brisbane to buy a more affordable house and have a better standard of living, you could say. Um, and it's almost pushed her out of the market now. Um, so she's struggling from, a sense of, from that sense. Um, but it's interesting That's to see the that there's that the massive reason. shift. Yeah. So she's just getting pushed out now. Well, she we- decided she's going to go to the coast.
1: We um, we did we do a lot of we, we scour a lot of data. So I'm just pulling up the report as I'm chatting to you, Chris, and we we saw some census data recently that basically Brisbane was the main um, or Queensland in particular, but Brisbane was the main uh, capture for all internal migration. Yep. Brisbane lost I mean Sydney lost like six or seven thousand people. Uh, Melbourne lost another so, six or seven thousand people and Brisbane um, captured a lot of the internal state migration. And as you've just said it, it's a lot of these larger, more expensive markets that have been coming to Brisbane and pushing up prices. So that's really good anecdotal information.
0: it's in, yeah, very interesting to know. Um, and I guess you can say the same for for the UK now, if we're talking about the UK versus Australia, we've seen people in London, especially over the pandemic, um, move out of London and move into the countryside of places like Manchester, Liverpool, uh, Leeds, um, so that they have a better standard of living, so to speak. Um, And the areas of gentrification now, there's massive infrastructure projects happening in these these smaller cities, you could say, uh, in the UK, so there has been a massive shift to the north or even down to the coast, um, down south, so it's interesting to see watching those the people move and watch where the infrastructure projects are and things are happening there's change happening and the way in which we live now I think is is different we we have you know it's not so much about nine to five in the office you have that work from home in the UK now I'm sure it's the same in Australia there's that shift in the work flow, in your work day and your work pattern um, and people want to be able to enjoy things that they love doing um, being more accessible to those things so there is that shift away from the the major cities which is interesting to see
1: well what what you said there's pretty interesting and i think you know we're seeing that in australia too where people are for the most part you know moving out of major metropolitan areas and they are investing in regional centers so you know regional centers yeah. moved the fastest and the hardest compared to the rest of australia they led the charge um and It's Again, back to what we were saying, so it's a lot of internal demand that's driving price at the moment. Where I see opportunities for uh, Australian investors, for Australian expats to buy back home is that we're we're isolated at the moment, and we have a hypothesis hypothesis in the office where soon as the borders open back up again, we're going to see a hell of a lot of investment flowing into our small little country. Um, you know, where we where we expect the, the flows to happen is migration. So we're currently getting near no migrants. And yeah. when migration comes back in, the apartment market is what they're going to be hitting the most in affordability. So places like Brisbane and Melbourne. So that's going to be a big push and stimulus for that part of the market. Students, there are tens of thousands of students that haven't come into the country again. They suck up the apartment market. They push the rental price and property prices up because a lot of yeah. uh, international migrants want to be buying homes for the their students. Yeah, And then tourism. Yeah. So once tourism open backs up, uh, opens back up, again, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney, what happens is a lot of the apartment market in particular gets sucked up for Airbnb. And when, when all these properties disappear in the places like Paddington or Fortitude Valley, or yeah. um, you know, Collingwood or Essendon, you you've got a, a, a huge shortage in the amount of apartments that are available in the market, which then in turn makes the rent rental demand even higher. So then you've got this huge amount of growth that we're gonna see in the affordability in the apartment market and in townhouses. So that just further pushes rental yields and the amount of cash that people can get back for rent.
0: It's interesting. I think it's important what you're saying about the borders as well. Um, And just looking how strong the Australian economy has gone with closed borders completely sealed off. Um, I think I got a stat sent to me the other day. Don't want to close on it now, but it was a GDP ranking against the other top seven nations um, pre pandemic times. And they're all the other six are below the uh, 0% mark. And then Australia, I think it was just over at 0.9. Don't want to hold, don't hold me to that number, but um, yeah, they've, they've done well throughout the pandemic with that with those borders closed. So it's inter- it's going to be interesting to see all that demand that is wanting to get into Australia at the moment um, when we do open those borders the effect it will have on everything, really. Um, it'll be interesting to see and good to see, I think, good for Australia. And it's uh, it's an integral part of the way it, kind of the the the, uh, the economy works in Australia, so to speak, and the fact that they're so resilient now and doing so strong um, is it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Do you think there could be, it's hard to say, you don't wanna say it, but is are we in a boom at the moment? I think we're definitely in a boom, but is it a boom that's never, can you see an end to that boom or can you just see it keep on going, keep on, keep growing and growing, getting bigger and bigger?
1: Good question. I it's a hard uh, point, I, we're, we're, we're definitely in a boom. Um, yeah. okay. we're, now past, uh, we're, we're now hitting new uh, heights. Like the last boom was 20, 17, 18, um, 2016, 17, 18. Uh, we're now past, price growth is above that. Uh, I, I think that we're going to see continued price growth, albeit a little bit slower in some states and in some uh, regions. But there are parts of the market that are falling behind or that haven't quite hit yet. And there, there's there's certainly a, quite a lot of opportunity. Um, Again, just because, as we said earlier, as borders open up, it's going to be very interesting. One thing that we're also watching uh, paying attention to is commodity prices. So, you know, some of our major exports mm-hmm. are coal, iron ore, gold, you know, um, natural so gases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, silver. So, we're paying attention to commodity prices and then the implications of ramping up production in different uh, mining towns or even cities more specifically. Because I don't really want to pay attention to mining towns. But... Places like Newcastle, 7th largest city in Australia, having a look at Western Australia, what opportunities exist there. You know, maybe even little, um, maybe even like not regional opportunities, but suburbs on city fringes at so of 30, 40, 50 kilometers out of city C- Sydney, uh, CBDs where we can go cool. find good quality uh, opportunities for as low as sort of four, five $500,000. So, you know, that's the other thing that... Aussies earning pounds, got that conversion rate all the way back. You can pick up some cheap stock and
0: yeah. To answer your question, yeah, rental yield as well. Say it again. Yeah, and you'll benefit from the same rental um, yields that you get almost in a city property as well. Buying those regional, buying in a regional, you know, town, so to speak. Um, And I, it was a bit different five or six years ago during that first initial mining boom. um, Our family bought a number of properties up in Mackay and Emerald. Um, and up north near the mining cities. Um, at the time, there was that boom going on and it was awesome. And that was great. And I think that was a very... What happened in that 12 months time was very unfortunate and the way in which the market behaved in those areas with the, the mining boom slowly, gradually dropping off. Um, but that was an interesting time. We Mum bought a number of properties up north and the rental yields on some of them were ridiculous. Um, and these miners were getting paid good money to fly in and fly out. Um, and live in these regional towns so to speak um, and then the effects of the mining boom ending obviously that was catastrophic and it probably I don't think something like that will probably happen again in Australia touch wood um, but yeah seeing the effects that it can uh, one industry can have as a whole um, on an entire market so to speak um, at the time which was that invest, property investment market for, in the mining towns um, but it it comes back it's it's uh, the cycle, it's cyclical, and it'll always bounce back.
1: Good point, so actually, this is one of the reasons why we don't invest in regional cities specifically, like yeah. well, smaller regional cities. We try to stick away from them because they are dependent upon you know one or two key uh, growth drivers or economic growth drivers. Now, you know, we are paying attention to commodity prices because we know that it's going to be a stimulus, but we are not solely. Uh, dependent upon them. So, f- for instance, let's use Newcastle as, a, as an anecdote. Newcastle is, it, it certainly is impacted by coal because you've got all of, you know, Musselbrook, Singleton, you've got all the Hunter region, but you've also got all, Newcastle as a city evolved a lot because it paid attention to the fact that it was dependent upon coal back in the 90s when BHP, uh, the BHP uh, closed down, the city was basically in yeah. ruin. I think it went up to like twelve or thirteen percent unemployment. After that, they spent a lot of money diversifying themselves, investing in education, investing in tourism. You know, they created a whole new port there that opened itself up to tourist boats. They've recently opened up again. A um, they've got the uh, Royal Australian Air Force uh, there. They've just spent a whole bunch of money on the the air force base. But most importantly, is that the the airport has now opened itself up to international tourism. On top of that, you've got the Hunter Valley. So that whole area where it's wine, it's tourism, it's agriculture. So we look at cities like that, that can be impacted by commodity prices, but are protected against the Dow swing because they've got a whole bunch of other varied opportunities. Not to harp on about Newcastle, but, you know, they've also got education. Um, You know, they've opened up a whole bunch of uh, uh, university campuses and spent money there, and they've got more money going in. And then they've also got healthcare. You've got the John Hunter Hospital, and there are thousands of people that are employed by the hospital. So good point, Chris. I think some people took some really big risks going to regional cities, but we want to pay attention to cities that are more robust than just, you know, the one-trick pony.
0: Exactly can't just uh, what's the what's the saying look for the silver lining it doesn't it's not always gonna pay off you could say um, I guess looking at it now though if you were to give a suggestion as to where you would recommend investing back in Australia what's your kind of number one hot spot at the moment or state so to speak as well obviously we've got the grant in Victoria um, and that's ending at the end of this month or a couple of weeks now um, but if you were to pick an area that was really standing out to you at the moment what do you think would be one?
1: Um, Another good question. In fact, uh, the the, the lads and I, the investment specialists, and I were talking about that just earlier today. Uh, There are a lot of good opportunities out there, but it really does come down to, you know, the investor. You know, as you and I both know, everybody's different. Everyone comes with a unique set of, um, you know, their budgets, their, their risk tolerance, what their strategy is, you know, are they after cash flow, are they after growth, what's their income parameters, what kind of a deposit have they got. Um, You know, depending on how much they can spend, there are some really, really nice, say, four-story townhouses in Melbourne that are six or seven kilometres out of the CBD, rooftop garden, underground private uh, garage, stunning project in, in an area called Ivanhoe where they're sort of 850 to 870 odd thousand, but your nearest competitors are almost a million dollars, right? So that's a lot of money though. However, some clients also uh, love the, there's some stuff in Melbourne, which is sort of um, West Melbourne, where we're working at the moment, sort of 20, 30 kilometers out, 45 minutes in on a a train to the CBD, where you can buy beautiful townhouses or houses between 450 and sort of 550,000. You get a good, piece of dirt. You've got a brand new train station in there. You've got the upgrades that's going to the uh, train station that's going to the airport. Um, And then there's this huge amount of population growth, nearly three times the amount of the state average. Um, And it's hard to look past Brisbane as well. I mean, as a long-term opportunity, I did some cash flows today where a client was looking at a $470,000 property. You're putting in uh, 20%, so about $90,000 Ninety to hundred thousand dollars Aussie, um, and that property pays itself off, uh, uh, pay principal and interest repayments. The rental returns about four and a half to five percent, and it basically it, it costs you nothing. And it, if it grows at sort of three to four percent per annum, that's that's a free equity uplift. It's, it's costing you nothing and yeah, it's growing exactly. And I, I like the outlook. You know, the area that we're investing in is one and a half billion dollars being spent in a a massive sort of master plan um, commercial activation for for, for logis, a logistics center. Um, and also, you know, you've got potentially the Olympics in 2032.
0: I, yeah, very true. I
1: don't know, mate. It it it's like a broad a question. Name. There's lots
0: and lots of property. <laughs> That's very true. It's hard to pinpoint one, I suppose. It always is. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're so engrossed in it every day as well. You just love them all. You just want them all.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, what's your favorite part, kid? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I want, to, I want to buy one of each, but I, I, don't, I don't have exactly. cash. Exactly. Let, Let me have all. Yeah, I'll give, my, I'll give Charlotte a heart attack if I say I'm gonna buy another property. <laughs> yeah, he, I think we're settling control. one in se- settling one in two weeks, so she'll she'll murder what? me.
0: There you go, yeah. <laughs> Keep you in the good books, mate. Stay away from that and wait a bit longer. Interesting. Um, what, what, so I guess the, what are we looking at? What are we looking to? Um, at the moment, I was reading something this morning, actually just talking about the amount of UK expats that are moving to Australia to buy these investment properties. And they're saying at the moment, I think it's about 30 to 40,000 UK expats are moving to Australia, or migrated to Australia, you could say. Obviously, at the moment, it's a bit more difficult, but this was pre-pandemic stats. Um, and they're looking at investing in these markets now, buying an investment property and then finding themselves something to rent on the beach or on the coast and live the Aussie lifestyle up. Um, and I guess it's, you've spoken about it in the before in podcasts and it's the rent vesting and live where you want to, or rent where you want to live and buy where you are going to afford. afford, Exactly. So, um, it's interesting to see that it's not only the Aussies essentially trying to get back in or reinvest back into the country, but you've got the, a high demand of British. And then you've also got, obviously the Asian market, they are not there at the moment, but they're also a very integral part to it. and I guess it goes back to the question of when our borders open, seeing the effect of that, and hopefully demand continues, and the overpricing scare isn't playing in people's mind. Um, I'm sure touch will be fine, but um, I think it's going to be a very strong market once those borders open. Um, well, mate, I don't see. think
1: that the I don't think the market's overcooked. I, I think
0: that it's, it's yeah. fair
1: value, and I don't think it's overcooked because it's internally stimulated. Um, you know, and back to your 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 statement about rent vesting, you know, yeah. rent where you want to live and, and buy where you can afford. I think that an expat is the perfect anecdote for that. Like my brother lives in, in London, I lived in London, I love it there. Um, you know, that's why we've we've now got the business there. I, I love the exactly. city. I can understand why guys, girls want to live there. I've got a lot of friends over there, and they all ask me, you know, what should I be doing with my cash? Should I buy something here? Should I buy something back home? There are just so many tax implications. As there's, you know, hereditary things like if you pass, if you eventually die, what happens when you pass it on? There's, you know, income tax things that you should got to take into consideration. It's a very complex topic, but, you know, this is why we're doing what we're doing. I think that, you know, live in Mayfair if you can afford it, or live,
0: (laughs) exactly, in in, in a
1: nice spot where (laughs) you love and yeah, and, and and. Put away a couple of the bucks that you're earning and buy an investment back at home. So you got that tie. Yeah. When you come back, it would have yeah. grown, and and you, you've 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 not you've not pissed it all up yeah. the wall for want of exactly. a better word, you know.
0: And it makes sense. Whilst you're over here and earning great strong British pound, um, you take that back home and play the currency play on it, and it works out very very well, not, nicely for you. Essentially, if you've got that that pound sitting in the bank, so and. Better than sitting in the bank. May as well have it put away somewhere. Um, I guess I'm not an expert or a, a financial advisor, but a good thing in the UK is we've got our ISA accounts, so you can nominate or don't put in twenty thousand pounds a year to that, um, and that's tax-free money. All earnings on that are tax-free. So, say you were saving away, putting your money in your ISA, pull that out by the time you get back to Australia and invest it in your your uh, investment property, and that's you know could be forty-five thousand dollars, which is a deposit. Um, so it's, it's a good incentive in a sense to helping you buy it, uh, buy your first property or get on the ladder. Um, and you're seeing a lot of people yeah join these ices now and, and start saving. I think the mindset of people, my age um, as well is starting to shift and people wish that they'd been able to buy a property five years ago when we were 20, 21. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see now we've looked back at it and at the time we're like, Oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. But it's, it doesn't take as much as you think. I feel to get on the ladder, and now that I've started knuckling down about it, and you're uh, you're convincing me day after day, um, and I'll be on have the first one very soon, hopefully. Um, but it's I'm very close to that that goal now, and it's um it's something once you put your mindset to, I feel, you can make it happen. Um, and it's just it's just not sitting around. Why wait? There's no no point in waiting for it. You may as well make it happen now. And and do something about it so that's kind of my my mentality on it now
1: well mate yeah grow your Um, way to your next investment right you know and the thing is that the the stuff that we're looking at you can buy something off the plan you can put a five percent deposit so if it's a six hundred thousand dollar asset a thirty thousand dollar sixty thousand dollars ten percent five percent is thirty thousand dollars so what's that like twenty thousand pounds Pound. You know, you put yeah. that into it. You wait a couple, a year or so, then you can put the, you can save your way to the remainder of that five percent, and, and then you're in. You know,
0: you saved. Um, you're done. Well, interesting. Mate,
1: I, I'm looking forward to all the content that you're going to be pushing out. This is a very complex topic. Yeah. I, I, I've seen the roster. You've got tax accountants. You've got, yeah. you know, financial planners. You've got, <laughs> exactly. you know, migration you're agents. You've got all, all sorts of people that are going to be adding to this podcast. Hopefully I get another Guernsey and I can jump back on the show again.
0: We'll get you back on for sure. We need you on it. It'll be good. It's been a pleasure to have you on it too um, and get the first Expat, Wealthy Expat podcast done with you as well. Um, The first of many and I look forward to uh, hopefully getting you over to the UK as soon as these borders do open as well. As soon as I open up on there. Come and uh, live the London life for a little bit. It'll be good. But thank you very much, Dom. I appreciate it.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: Cool.